Museum of the Moving Image welcomes you to the Pinewood Dialogues Online, an archive of conversations with innovative creative figures in film, television, and digital media. Visit Museum of the Moving Image in New York City or online at www.movingimage.us. Please welcome the director of this really lovely film, Sam Mendes. And um, you probably noticed the extra chair, so we have a special treat tonight. Um, the co-star of the film, freshly shaved, John Krasinski. Because he's going to answer all the questions. Right. Here, well, you, you said anyway. Okay. Evening. Uh, good evening. And... Um, Thank you. This is a really lovely film. And uh, I'd always thought of you as a, type of, as a director who was going to do a film, then take time off, do a few theater productions, then come back to film. So this was a different story for you. This was a film that you sort of jumped into while you were doing another movie. Yeah, I, just was, I was uh, finishing Revolutionary Road. In fact, I didn't even finish Revolutionary Road before I shot this. I kind of s- stopped post-production on Revolutionary Road. I hadn't done any of the music, and I hadn't really finished it and then shot this movie i kind of retrospectively i suppose I, I needed i needed to do something that was a little bit more uh fun uh, <laughs> uh you know in terms of its yeah. in terms of its, its subject matter and tone you know and uh and and um i just you know i read the script and it and it really made me laugh and i i loved it and it, it's kind of a weirdly a companion piece to revolutionary road it's somewhat. very much about freedom in that film you have a couple that is it's a tragedy revolutionary road is a couple that's really trapped and you just feel that they there's no way out for them and this is a movie about a couple that you know is dealing with this freedom they have well one's a story about a couple who want to escape and can't and this yeah. is a one well, a couple that want to escape and can and uh and there are all these weird parallels that didn't strike me until we were actually yeah. making the film. It, it, was, it was weird that there's a whole scene at the beginning of Revolutionary Road where the car pulls over to the side of the road and they both get out and they have a huge row. And here the car pulls over to the side of the road and they have a small domestic disagreement and they make yeah. up. <laughs> um, and then uh, the same goes at the end. There's a pivotal scene, which is a dance in Revolutionary Road. And here there's a dance which also changes the tone of the film, which is the dance in the uh, strip club. So, you know, there are all these other parallels as well, and uh, it, it's dealing in some way in the, in, the, in the same things, you know. Yeah. We could bring up the house lights. It's a little bit like radio right now, I think. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, now, tell us about the script. It was written by a couple, well-known literary couple, Dave Eggers and Vandela Vita, who I guess were dealing with having a child of their own. Could you tell us how the script came to you well they wrote it when they were pregnant with their first child they now have two and they um they they're just they're an incredible couple really and they're, they're so they just they get up and they write you know <laughs> they write every day they're if they you know or they're they're reading other people's writing they edit their own magazines you know dave edits believer, mcsweeney's yeah. and yeah. vendela edits the believer um they write short stories they write novellas they write novels they write factual books i mean you know they're incredible and um they publish their own work and, uh, you know, they, they found themselves unable to leave the house because, you know, she was eight and a half months pregnant. So, you know, they sat down for a couple of weeks and just wrote a screenplay. And this was it. And uh, it's kind of suffused with that feeling of excitement when you're on the verge of, you know, changing your life, which is, you know, having a child <clears throat> and the, the precipice of 
you know, all the possibilities of the ways of going wrong and the, and the, you're asking yourself, what kind of a parent are you going to be? And are we living the right life, the life we always, we, we always intended to live? Is this, is this what we want? And that is a few, that, that's sort of very much part of the script. But then I think that Bert and Verona are not David and Vendler at all, you know, because they're so clear, I think, about who they are and, and they're so motivated, you know. And they've written a couple who are, who are in some ways lost at the beginning um, and don't quite know what they want. Um, so, you know, there, there are crucial differences. And and I, I I just I got sent it and read it and the next day said to Dave look I I really want to do this, mm. um, but you know on the condition we have to do it really now because mm. if we don't then I can't make it because I had theatre yes, commitments okay. at the end of last year, so we we had to we had to we just went for it. And I guess like Revolutionary Road, the casting is so essential. The whole film hinges on the couple. What I read was that you uh, that Dave. Egris and Vanda La Vida had, had you and Maya Rudolph in mind while they were writing. Is that, is that true? <coughs> no, that's a nice makeup thing. Okay, they, it sounds good. In a, in they a, pulled that in a press during, kit. during press. They were like, this will sound great. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, that's what, they, that's what they said to both of us. And um, I just had to explain to Dave that I wasn't Ryan Gosling. But <laughs> after, we got, after we got past that, he was like, oh, no, you were my okay. second choice. Um, so, no, but, it, was, it was a really... An honor that they even knew who we were, I think, because <laughs> um, we were such well, huge fans of theirs. Okay, I mean, you do get some exposure, so, <laughs> so um, here and there. But but and you were in Jarhead, of course. You were, you had worked together. So. Best seven seconds of my life. <laughs> yep, it was best seven seconds of his life. I think uh, was, we forged a friendship um, at the craft service table. Um, yeah, that was that was a really uh, incredible experience for me, uh, just to work with uh, like on a movie uh, with Sam, and then thinking that that was like my big, that was it, that was my big Sam Mendes moment, and then <laughs> I get a call from him saying, "Hey, I just read this script, and uh, I, I there's two things that happen every time I read the script, which is I laugh out loud and I think of you, and I honestly thought it was George Clooney with a terrible British accent." <laughs> I was like, listen, man, you, your prankster days are over. This is bad. Uh, and then when I actually found out that he was being serious, uh, I passed out, had a nosebleed. And then two days later, woke up and was like, yes, I'll definitely do it. So uh, it's just very surreal when someone like Sam calls you and says that he has no one else in mind for the role. It's, uh, it's completely bizarre. So I was thrilled. So what's your version of this, of, of the casting? Well, well, the weird thing is that, jo- you know, uh, my my memory of John on Jarhead was 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 not what the kind of uh, image of him is in the public eye at the moment because in in the office he's asked in a sense to play the everyman character more than like Steve Carell and Rain Wilson have the more out there moments you would say right yeah um, but he's not like that at all he's a freak you know a really strange gawky guy <laughs> no but Thank you know, you. my 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 experience my experience of him was that he was. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, thank you very much. Uh, uh, when, when when I worked with him, he was very very inventive and very funny and um, and quite uh, he had quite eccentric rhythms and I don't know he was just he really I really enjoyed those two days that we worked on it. It was a tiny amount of time, but we in that space of time rewrote both scenes that he did and and around what he was improvising and Jake and he got on really well. I don't know. I just I just thought. Um, and that was my memory of him. And then I watched him go into the office and become, you know, much better known. Um, but when I read it, I really did. I really did think of him um, because uh, the character is described. I mean, one of the things that 
because it's a very well-written script, that the characters are very, very well described by mm. the writers, but not in a prescriptive way, you know. So it won't say he has to be six foot two and he has to have, <laughs> you know, a uh, beard. And, uh, tell, them what, say, tell them what it did say. And it said he has let them think something it's a compliment. like he has a look of someone who, who would go camping nude um, <laughs> and w- but, but on a bad day might be found shooting people from a tower or something like that. <laughs> Like it, that, those sorts of descriptions, you're like, oh, that's fantastic. It's John Krasinski. <laughs> he was the only one who wasn't in prison who you could cast, I guess. But the beard is a great detail, and I love the, see, the um, interplay with Jeff Daniels' character because the, you know, yeah. the, the way that both of you, he, he really seems like you know, the father you don't want to have like it's a, it's a, it's great to see that relationship set up because it sets up your character yeah he's i mean he's amazing on every level and he's already shown us that he can grow an incredible beard in squid and the whale <laughs> um did i have beard envy yes i'm just saying uh i remember i actually said to him i was like yeah growing a beard right and he was like i don't know what the problem is <laughs> and uh you know sam obviously can grow a healthy beard and sam i remember was just like oh yeah and by the way we definitely need you to grow that beard for the movie and i was like you can't just ask a dude to grow a beard like what if i'm a patchy beard what if i can't grow a beard what if i'm a six-year-old <laughs> and um <clears throat> luckily i hit puberty just before the movie and <laughs> it all worked out so um but i mean it's so great that you can see you know us rubbing our eyes at the same time jeff daniels and i and um, I love that you can hear him having the phone conversation that we just had in the car. Right. Uh, those little details, I think that if not played in a reality situation in so, sort of a real way, could be way over the top. But because you actually believe that these characters could do those things, it's really, really funny. And I think that's sort of the basis of all those acting performances, especially someone like Maggie Gyllenhaal, who I think is the best she's ever done. Oh, I'm a fan right. of everything yeah. she's done. But, I mean, she, from day one... It was one of those things where I think I wanted to be like, uh, it's pretty funny, right? And she was so committed that I was like, ooh, this is going to be intense. And she did. She commits so hard to that character. And that's why it's so brilliant. And I think that the same goes for pretty much everybody in the cast. What I love in that scene at the table with this is, uh, is the kid's reaction when, you, when, uh, when the stroller comes out. And just that look on his face. That, how did you get that? I hear it's hard to work with kids. Uh, the, actually, no, the kids in this movie were amazing. And not to mention my favorite kid of all, Pete, I don't have to give him a name check, Pete Wiggins, right? He's the kid in the resort who talks about trying to kill his sister. <laughs> and that kid is a genius. He's a genius. He's like, That's we the hardest like a, laugh, mini, a mini Chris Farley. Yeah. You know what I mean? Babies like debris. <laughs> My favorite part about Pete was he did the most adorable thing, and I think it was the hardest I laughed on set. I, like, blew up. It was he was starting his speech, and then, like, a really pro actor lost his way and wouldn't go on because he had ruined the take. So he was like, babies like to breathe and are good. Wait. No, wait. I forgot my line. Wait. And you could hear Sam in the back going, it's all right, keep going. And he's like, nope. (laughs) No, wait. No. And it was, un- it was unbelievable. I think that was the funniest. He was quite high maintenance, though. He's like, I, have to, I, I need to sit down. I, I'm feeling tired. I was like, okay, fine. Sit down. <laughs> Dude, could, could someone bring me some food? <laughs> so he had, like, PAs coming to bring him food. He said, I, I don't like those kind of Doritos. Can you bring me the ones oh. with the cheese? And, that, like, you know, can I have some crackers? Like, literally, everyone was waiting around for him to do his take. 
anyway, he was fantastic. But the, but he but the the uh, the little kid in. Uh, um, you know, I, I just said, look, he's going to come. He's going to come at you with a stroller. Look like you want to get in it, and then get in it. You know, that's basically <laughs> it. But you know, the thing about the thing about it with with kids is that you give it give it to them and let them do it straight away, um, and but very very clear. You know what I mean? And if it's complicated, you have to get an adult to do it and then say, do what he just did. Um, but it's instinctive. If you if you try and analyze it or over explain it, it's it's gone. What was the spirit of the shoot like? I mean, sometimes you see a movie that has a sort of open, improvisatory feeling. I know you work with um, Ellen Curtis, a cinematographer, and she's a firecracker personality. Yeah. Like, what was it sort of like <laughs> on, this, on the set? Uh, <laughs> Ellen is a great, a great woman, and, and, uh, and she has the loudest laugh. She's deaf in one ear, Ellen. Uh, so she has, her voice is louder than she thinks it is. She's an incredibly warm personality. She has a crew that adores her. She's a great cinematographer. That goes without saying. But you have to tell a story about, about what it's like. She'll be in the middle of a take... And uh, she suddenly start talking to the crew like really loudly. She thinks she's whispering to them across the room, and they're acting like you know they're, they're, they're in full flood. And she starts talking loudly to the crew. You have to do it. I mean, Sam would call rolling and then action, and you'd see Ellen be like this. John, we got to boom up. Okay, boom me up. Up oh, too far. Take me back down. And by the way, we need a filter in that ten k because I can't see any of this. None of it. And, and all the actors would be like, hey, man, are we good? Or can we, can we give this a whirl? Or... And she loved when we called her out on that. Um, but you can tell it was a very, you know, I mean, the, 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 the feeling of loose improvisatory, you know, whatever. That, that is what it was like. Ellen and, was the only then... one improv. <laughs> <laughs> the um, whole movie has a feeling of something old-fashioned, which is an album, an LP album, which is like sort of a bunch of songs put together, the kind of, you know, in a lot of ways, the music is really integral, but the sort of narrative style has that feeling. Could you talk about the, the music and, and how it fits well, in? I love that description. Thank you. I think that's a really good description. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Um, and just to, uh, you just re- deserve a big pat on the back oh. for using, using the word <laughs> LP. Something I, I haven't heard for a that. long yeah. time. Remember LP? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it it's. Um, I mean, the the movies that influenced it. I mean, I'm I'm so it's such a cliche now to be influenced by Hal Ashby because everyone gets influenced by Hal Ashby. But he was just the best at telling these stories in simple ways, and um, the tone of those movies. Uh, you know, thinking of things like The Last Detail and Harold and Maud, um, and and being there. You know, just it's so he makes it look so easy. There's such a, an economy of means, you know, and he lets people exist in their landscape and in their space. Um, he's not scared of holding shots for a while and, sh- and shooting on, uh, um, you know, we shot on a lot of those old old lenses. You know, we we we'd sort that out. Um, so you know that was that was intentional to have a sort of soft feel to it. You know, to not have hard silhouette. You know, the the, the obsession now is to high definition. Everything has to be you know crisp and yeah. sharp, and everything's in focus. And and I think you get past a certain point, and it, it starts making images look cheap and lacking in texture and lacking in depth and color and uh, softness. You know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so that's what we were we were trying to trying to get some of that back. 
And I'd read that also that Dave and Vendela were influenced by The Landlord, that Hal Ashby movie. Actually, so I, I showed them The Landlord. They'd never okay. seen it. Oh. The Landlord, bizarrely, uh, is still not available. I and mean, you have to get it on the black market. It's Hal Ashby's first movie. If you haven't seen it, you know, it was actually, I saw it at the Angelica. It was, it was re-released for a couple of weeks. And uh, it was, uh, it's an amazing film. Um, and, uh, you know, way ahead of its time. Yeah. And and so yeah, the, the, a lot of that was was was. Um, but that was after they'd wrote, written the movie, and I just I just showed them it because it was something that had popped into my head when when I, I was thinking about how to make this film. And was it you who were familiar with the music with Alexei Murdoch's music, which is so important to this film? Yeah, I, I, you know, Sam was talking about how he was, you know, I, we were talking about music one day, and he was saying that he was really wanting to use Nick Drake songs and stuff like that in the movie, but he didn't feel like it would work, and that it may have been. Um, you know, it's it's so difficult to use somebody that iconic now. And um, <clears throat> I just told him that there's this guy, Alexi Murdoch, and I was familiar with him from L.A. and the Hotel Cafe. He was he was playing there a lot. And mm. I just felt, I mean, I think he's fantastic. And yeah. I gave the album to um, Sam, and he was listening to it the whole time on the set. But, I mean, it's sort of a gamble whether or not music actually works, you know. Um, and you know, he, he said that, that, uh, oftentimes music doesn't stick, but it was awesome just to hear it sometimes playing on set. And the fact that he actually even listened to me was pretty awesome. <laughs> okay. Let's take some questions from the audience. It's actually, um, and I'll, I'll repeat the questions so everybody can hear. Um, go ahead. So it was an out of the mainstream un- unconventional film. So how did you how did you get it made? How did, was your relationship with with Focus? F- Focus are really an amazing bunch, actually. I mean, if you look at their movies this year, <clears throat> you look at the way we go, and you look at Taking Woodstock, which is the Ang Lee movie, and then you look at the Coen Brothers movie, A Serious Man, and even Noah Baumbach's movie. There's not one of those movies that is a, has what you would commonly call a movie star in the film. In fact, in the case of the Coen Brothers movie, there's barely anyone anyone here will have ever heard of. And and the confidence at that place is it's a filmmaker friendly environment and they, they back the filmmaker's vision. And I, I've never had to cast anyone in any of my movies that I didn't want to cast. But I've never had a studio say to me, cast whoever you want. Um, that's completely unusual. Um, and I did. Um, and that's why I was able to cast John and Meyer because normally a studio will come to you and go, you, here's the seven people you, let you, you, you can do this movie with. And, and if you can get one of those, then we'll make the movie with you. And they didn't say that to me. Um, so in a way, you kind of have to ask them. You know, I, I, I'm just astonished that companies like that still can exist, you know. Um, but, uh, but I'm very grateful that they do and that they give the filmmaker that sort of freedom. Having said that, they say, look, here's your budget. <clears throat> Stay within it. We trust you to cast the people you want. But you now need to fulfill your part of the bargain you need to make this in a way that we can afford to make it but because they've given you that they they show that faith in you you're much more likely to fight you know and i had i cut scenes out of this movie and didn't shoot things because i felt like it was my obligation to come in on schedule Mm -hmm. and we did you know and to come in under budget because i felt like you know they'd had that faith in me so the adversarial relationship that often exists with a studio just doesn't didn't exist on this at all um and uh, they just let me get on with it, you know. And they, they, they thought I was, they felt I was being conscientious, which I was being, you know. Um, and I think that, you know, there, there are ways to make. Look, I, I've had, I've had all the bells and whistles in, 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 in movies. I've made big, big film. I mean, I made, a, you know, hundred million dollar movie. Um, and 
and uh, this movie was just, uh, like American Beauty, which is in the sort of fifteen million dollar range, much much smaller. And I found myself making a better better choices when 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 I had less time. And that that to me is very interesting. That you when you second guess yourself and you obsess, you over prepare, you often make yourself kind of uh, you, you know you you jam yourself up, you overthink things. Um, and for me, this was a return to a more instinctive way of working, which I really enjoyed. And that's partly because of the budget level. Amer- uh, American Beauty was a fifteen million dollar movie that made three hundred and fifty million. So a studio might be willing to take a gamble with you. You know. <laughs> um, okay, right down here. Perfect. Okay. Did you have a favorite? When you watch the movie, is there a favorite location, like, uh, or when you, yeah, when you hated? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it was a, it was an amazing experience once we got on the road. That was, that was really fun. It was sort of one of those things where I was still feeling like, should I call my mom and tell her, like, lie to her that I'm in these... Uh, you know, it's like I felt like I was in high school again hanging out with my friends and we were actually shooting a movie. So that was all really, really fun. One of the uh, scenes I loved the most but was so scared to do was the trampoline scene. And um, I I couldn't tell Sam that for some reason I just didn't feel great that day. I just was like, I don't know why I'm feeling like I can't connect to it all of a sudden because I had loved the scene forever. And then... I got on the trampoline and I was like, Sam, I don't know if I'm, I, don't, I just got, over, I think I'm overthinking this. And he was like, all right, let's do it though. And we got, I got on the trampoline and literally in 30 seconds, the sky opened up and downpoured out of nowhere. And I was like, thank you, God. And we went into the house and actually ended up having the conversation that allowed me to do that scene. So, I, I mean, there's, there's um, memories at all the, uh, all the places, but that was definitely one of those really, really special ones. Can you tell us anything about the conversation? Yeah, it was actually a really great conversation that I'm sure you don't mind if I say it, right? No, he doesn't care. Go ahead. I can't even, I can't even remember it. <laughs> Sam's like, I, I mean, can't I remember having a conversation, you, uh, but I don't know what I said. Um, he said, what is it that you're so nervous about? And I said, uh, you know, this is, the, this is the big moment. This is the big part of the movie. And he said, uh, I hate to break it to you, but if they're not here with us at this point in the movie, we have no chance anyway. So... <laughs> Uh, they have to be with you by this point, and I was like, "Oh, that's really good." And he said, "So, what are you really scared of?" And I was like, "You know, it's, it's a, you know, I want to, uh, I, I know I could have, I knew I could get emotional, but I wanted it to be real and do all that." And he's like, "You know, um, you're not, you're not opening Hamlet tonight. You know that, right?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, no, but it's not Hamlet. But I mean, for me, it's like this scene's really big." And he was like, "All right, just keep in mind though, like, keep it in perspective what we're doing here." <laughs> And I remember feeling like it helped so much because I think in my head I was like, I'm going to do this. And like, do you like to be or not to be on the trampoline? And he was like, you're wearing a beard. You know that, right? You look ridiculous. And because of that, I, uh, I went out and had so much more fun with it because it was just another scene in the movie, which is so impossible to get an actor to hear that like the big vow scene is just another scene in the movie. So he did a... He did a good job for once. <laughs> but of course, it's not just another scene. I mean, that's what's great about it is that they... What's great about watching the couple interact is that they're sort of in their own space for a lot of the film. I mean, they... Um, you know, you capture this couple that sort of belongs together and has a great chemistry, but they're also sort of on their own, you know. Yeah. And, 
And so this is the scene where that changes. Yeah. Well, you know, and the weird thing is that, that the conventions of romantic comedy, and this is in part, it's a comedy and it is romantic, although it's not a romantic comedy, but that, you know, it's boy meets girl and, and uh, you know, they fall in love and then something happens. There's a crisis, right, at the end of the second act. And then they get separated by this crisis. And then, of course, the, the, the last minute, you know, boy runs through the rain, rescues girl, end of movie. So that's the convention. And it was really struck me that, that, that you know, you, you come upon this couple in this movie and they've been together 10 years. They obviously love each other. And they stay in love throughout. And there's nothing of that at all. And I realized after a while, the thing is that he treats them as one person. I mean, Dave and Venner treat them as a, as a unit and turns them out to face the road, to face the world, you know, and the road ahead. And the only time they really turn into each other and actually talk, uh, they do it once in a motel room when she says, you know, what are we going to do? Mm. Um, uh, and and, and uh, she cries. And then right at the end in the trampoline scene. And so those two scenes become kind of pivotal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right back there. Did you have a different directing approach because you've made a lot of films that have very intense scenes? This because it's a different tone. Was your approach different? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's not an approach I've not used before. I've done it on stage on a number of a number of times. But um, but I, you know, it's fair to say that my approach changes with every movie. I think. I mean, it depends what kind of scale you're working on with the kind of actors. You know, and I'm so, uh, someone who believes that you should direct each actor differently, depending on what their needs are and the speed at which they work. So I'm constantly looking at ways that I can change, you know. And one of the things I did on this movie also was change everyone I work with. I mean, my crew was entirely different, from cinematographer to editor to composer to production designer. And, and you know, that sort of challenging yourself, not getting into habits, I think is something that I really value. And um, for me, every movie, part of the excitement of it is working out what's new about it for me rather than what's the same as the last one you know but the the experience that it was most similar to was american beauty which was never intense to shoot even though there are a few intense scenes in it i felt i was making a comedy there people took it in a different way <laughs> but it is still quite a funny movie in my opinion uh, certainly the first half and um and so it felt more like that you know uh um, working on a small play uh, um that's how it felt okay down here So if you, if you could talk about the chemistry, the relationship between Bert, Bert and Verona, and I guess also the acting, yeah, chemistry. Well, we rehearsed for, I don't know, three weeks, but I deliberately rehearsed not in a block of three weeks, but I rehearsed like a week and then had their two weeks off and another week and another two weeks off while we were prepping so that they would have a long time to become friends, John and Maya. And um, I kind of crept up on it, really, and just let it, let it happen in front. I, I, I spent a long time while they were rehearsing, just watching the way they were with each other, to be honest with you. Um, uh, the rehearsals are kind of... There's two sets of things happening. One is the obvious, you know, what's being said and, you know, you're discussing the scene and all that sort of stuff. But there's something else, which is that you're watching behaviour, you know, and the way two actors are with each other and two people becoming friends and what have you. And um, and that felt very natural very quickly. And uh, I, I just thought, I've just got to get that in front of the camera, really. And so I encouraged them to just be just to make each other laugh the whole time, which wasn't difficult because they're both very funny and they 
both laugh the whole time and then try to get it on on camera really i mean it's um it's just trying to capture lightning in a bottle and the other thing is to stop them watching themselves or being aware of themselves i mean one of the nicest things that maya said when she saw the movie was i i'd you know i had no idea i was doing all those things and that's a great compliment i take that as a great compliment as a director you know to to, to disable an actor's outside eye so that they're not really that self-aware um but to act for the person opposite them um that's that's a real that's the real challenge do you oh, yeah your turn <laughs> that was a really good answer um yeah, I mean, the, the only other thing I'd add to that is that in the script, it's written so well, the, the, that relationship in specific. And, and things did change in the script, but that was always constant right from the beginning. And even from the opening scene in the movie, <clears throat> you know what their whole deal is and, and how dedicated they are and how much of a unit they were. And so I, I just remember Maya and I bonding immediately over the fact that we were so incredibly honored to be doing this because it was so obvious right from the beginning that we were doing something really really special as far as no no not like the movie would be this good but it was more like this is a relationship that you just don't get to read very often and so we were really really excited about it and I think talking about the relationship over rehearsal opens up questions like what do you feel about kids and what do you feel about marriage and what do you feel about all this stuff and so we really got to know each other's personal lives really really quickly do you get a lot out of the physical details around you? Like, it's just great watching the clothing, the, you know, the, the, it's so um, sort of offbeat, the, the, what, like what you wear, and then the, the production design is so detailed. Yeah, oh, my God, absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, I've never really been, it's sort of one of those things that I, I feel like I have an idea of what I want to do, and, and I think the one thing I try to do is stay open to anything so that at any point Sam could be like, by the way, I want him to be mute in this movie, and I'd have to go give it a whirl. But um, when you step on a set that is that detailed, it's it's like um, it's like when you go to like Universal Studios or something for the first time and you see the King Kong thing. You're like, that is very real. This is really scary. So it was like it, it was really. Uh, I was six. Okay, jeez. <laughs> <clears throat> um, <laughs> I uh, so like when you step on sets that are are that well done. I mean, really, that is one of the best designed things I've ever been a part of so it, it really is transporting you into the world and Sam does an incredible job of every morning he'll clear the set so when you walk on set pretty much within five or ten minutes you're alone with Sam in this room and so you're immediately working on the scene and I think that's a really 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 rare opportunity that um, you arrive and the scene is yours and it's it really is a house it really is a hotel where you're visiting your sister so you rehearse sister. in the morning a bit without the crew mm-hmm. yeah. that's your yeah yeah, the, the rehearse without the crew. Um, maybe, generally speaking, it's just me and the actors, and then I maybe call on Ellen Curris, or whoever the cinematographer is on the movie, and uh, script supervisor, and then we watch it again, and then we work out how we're going to shoot it. Um, or, you know, we, we almost always will have discussed the cinematographer and I, either drawn storyboards, talked about it, shot listed it, or something. So we'll have an idea, um, and then work out what the shots are, and then call in the AD and the rest of the crew and talk it through. Um, and so build it like that gradually. That's how it, how it go, tends to go. Which is unusual, right? I mean, you're talking about it, so it's just a natural way of working. I don't know. You know, yeah. the weird thing about directors is that you never watch, you get to watch other directors work. You know, actors, you know, he's seen more directors working than I have, you know, because he's worked with them and I, I don't get to do it. You know, directing is like kind of, you know, 
it always strikes me as like being an alcoholic. You know, you go, you meet other directors, and and you're like, oh, you, you go through that as well, you know. Um, and uh, you think you're you're suffering alone, you know what I mean? And uh, you realize when you meet other directors, you know, my name is Sam, and I'm a director. <laughs> okay, and I make westerns. Okay, we have a, uh, time for a few more. So right over here. So the question, yeah, the question is about the scene in the strip club, and the, it's a very powerful scene. And the Lou Reed song that you use adds to that. So that it's a very, it's a very good question, actually. Uh, no, we shot the scene with a completely different piece of music, um, and that often happens. Uh, we actually, and we had the rights to it. We had, uh, and it was, it's a great piece of music. It's the Beach Boys, um, uh, "Don't Worry, Baby," mm. and. Um, and I felt something was wrong with the scene in the cut, and we messed around with it, and I couldn't get the rhythm of the dance, the rhythm of the speech in sync. I, I couldn't, and it lacked a kind of, you just use the word power, it powers the scene, you know, the Velvet Underground, and it does. And when we changed the music, it took me a long time to find the right piece, it totally changed the scene, and then I recut the scene because of the music. So, you know, it, it, that does happen, and... Um, and, you know, the speech is the backbone of it. And the reason it works, I think, is it's very, very well written. And that is a very well written speech. You know, um, there's, uh, there's one particular phrase he uses. He said, you just watch these babies grow and then fade. And you don't know whether to name them or bury them. And it's an incredibly good bit of, I mean, you know, that's the sort of thing that, I don't know, it just, it moves me when you find writing that good. And, and that's that's Dave and Vendler at their best. And, um, and then Chris, on top of that, being a wonderful actor, managed to nail it and do it in a way that was very personal to him. And um, but the music is is the key to that scene because it, it pushes, keeps pushing you. And it, it, there was something about the Beach Boys which was intended to be counterintuitive to put a, a sweet piece of music against a dark scene, but it, need, it needed a dark piece of music, you know. So that's what happened. Okay, thanks. We just have time for for one more. You've been waiting right here. Yeah. What were the digital effects? Who yeah. can spot a digital effect in the movie? <laughs> the, sp- the spaceship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was when you saw Chris. My Pine. beard was yeah. CGI. Because <laughs> you, I wish. <laughs> uh, well, you, you, you want to know? Here's, here's, a, here's a sampling, right? This is, this is, this is the way that you can pull the wool these days. Those mountains in the first scene when they stop by the side of the road, digital effect. Um, the 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 baby in the, not the entire baby I hasten to add the baby in Maggie's arms was crying the entire time digitally closed his mouth um, uh, and ADR the scene uh, you know that sort of thing I mean it's it's actually there's quite a lot of stuff in it um, uh, you know removal of certain buildings bits and pieces I mean not like wildly expensive stuff um, but but all designed obviously to make it look to, to to be as real as possible but there's quite a lot of quite a lot of things little things in there. When one more? Okay. Uh, no, I want to ask you when we're going to see your film. You directed a film um, that premiered at Sundance, right? This year? Yes. Yeah, so yes. when are we yeah. going to see, um, see that? I believe interviews that with it's... Uh, yes, brief interviews with Hideous Men. Uh, I believe it's going to be coming out in September. Yeah. Okay. Well, but uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> That's film. We'll see what uh, happens. Well, thank you so much. This is really a great piece of thank work. Thank you. So thanks for being here tonight. Thanks, guys. 
Thank you for listening. The Pinewood Dialogues at Museum of the Moving Image are made possible by generous support from the Pannonia Foundation. To learn more about the museum, visit www.movingimage.us.